Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers. Let me turn on the broadcast here so I can see who's joining us. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I want to welcome Khaleesi, Joel, uh, everyone who's joining us on all our platforms. I hope everyone is enjoying their evening. Hello to Zoe, who has just joined us tonight. Hope everyone's having a good day, whether it's the start of your day or the end of your day as we uh, have viewers from around the world. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, so uh, hope you've been enjoying our interviews. Yesterday we had Brett Donahue, the co-star from the movie Slacks. Tomorrow we have director-editor Patrick Lussier coming up. So lots of exciting stuff and more guests are going to be announced very soon. So let's just get right to it. Let's get right to the news. We'll be adding a little bit of trivia. I got to say, I'm addicted to this trivia thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just having a lot of fun. And it seems like you guys are enjoying it as well, going by the viewership numbers. So uh, I like it. You like it. Let's continue doing it. But let's do some news as well, since uh, we don't get much of a chance to uh, do this a lot recently. So Blood Red Sky. Now, this is a movie that came out on Netflix about a week or two ago. We didn't really read anything about this movie coming up to its release. It was a complete surprise to me when I saw it on Netflix. It sounded interesting. I did not watch it right away. Uh, and there's a reason for that. I'm not a big vampire fan. Uh, I'm not. I just, I don't know. It's just vampires lost their lore with me a while ago uh, unless I can come across one or a recommendation that's kind of different but you know vampires on an airplane I'm like let me give this a shot and man this movie did not disappoint uh, it's a unique spin on vampires uh, of course it takes place on board an airplane which is a lot of fun. A lot of movies have been uh, done, uh, horror movies in particular, on board aircraft. Uh, Snakes on a Plane comes to mind right away. I don't know how many of you guys have watched um, Samuel L. Jackson and Snakes on a Plane, but I love that movie. But anyway, Blood Red Sky, it's available on Netflix. It is about vampires, and it's a twist from your normal vampire story going from Dracula to the sparkly vampires on Twilight. Anyway, let's uh, read what Screen Rant has to say about Blood Red Sky. Now, Blood Red Sky reviews have been mostly positive, and that's because critics agree it's exactly what it promises to be, a bloody airborne thriller. Netflix supernatural thriller Blood Red Sky has become a surprising hit among critics, receiving an array of positive reviews for its unique elements and skilled execution. The ger it's half German, half English, but I would say more German than English. The German language film was directed by Peter uh, Thorwath. Sorry, Thorwath. I screwed that up. And stars Perry Baumeister, Carl Anton Koch, released on Netflix on July 23rd, 
Blood Red Sky is packed with plot twists, action, and gore. Plenty of blood. Now, Blood Red Sky takes place on a transatlantic flight that is hijacked by criminals who plan to stage a 9-11 style attack on London. Now, that's a little bit of an, an assumption there. They, their true motives are never really revealed as to, it is, they are terrorists, uh, they are planning something, but to compare it to an, a 9-11 style of attack, that's not really clarified in the movie. Now, the film follows a young single mother named Nadia who's afflicted by a mysterious illness, as well as her precocious son, uh, Ilyas, and a Muslim scientist named Farid, who befriends the pair. Now, in a staggering twist, Nadia is forced to reveal that she is a vampire, using her supernatural powers to protect her son and attempt to stop the hijackers from crashing the plane or whatever their motives are, as the villains are reluctant to give up control of the aircraft, a bloody battle ensues on board. The response to Blood Red Sky has been mostly positive. The film currently has an 84% critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes, although it has been polarizing among other viewers, with an audience rating of only 58%. This discrepancy might be explained by personal preferences among broader audience members, as critics tend to be more objective when reviewing films. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Now, here's a sampling of the critical praise from Blood Red Sky. This is from Mercury News. Director, co-writer Peter Thorwarth splatters the screen with gore while tossing in surprises, delirious preposterousness, and even a few touching moments. It is a grand fun. And I think part of the, uh, I don't know, part of the movie that makes this unique and fun, and it's a lot of fun to watch, is that the mother that they mentioned earlier is not a bad person. Uh, she's not a vampire who uh, is looking to feed and kill other people. She's really just trying to protect her son. And from what is revealed to us uh, in the movie, she is going to New York for treatment for her affliction. Uh, we're not really told if the doctors that are seeing her, and we do get to see the doctors in like a video that she's viewing, uh, if they're actually aware that she is a vampire, but she is going to New York for treatment. For her affliction. Now, here are some other uh, comments on the movie. With nail-biting tension and plenty of bloodthirst, it practically writes itself. There's a good mix of genre favorites like 30 Days of Night and Train to Busan. Alright, IGN says the film never forgets the mother-son bond that fuels the drama allowing all of the action and bloodshed to be informed by a maternal drive to protect and shield. 
That is very accurate there. Uh, Starburst Magazine goes on to say, as irresistible high concepts go, this one's right up there with possibly even higher than the unforgettable, there we go, Snakes on a Plane, running for about two hours. It is a long movie. It is uh, two hours. Blood Red Sky is slightly too long for its own good, but this German production with a smattering of English-speaking cast and sequences is a rock and rollingly good, no holds barred, that artfully marries together action movie and horror movie tropes and does exactly what you want. Nothing less, nothing more. From a film about terrorists hijacking a plane with a vampire on board, and that vampire multiplies. You know, a little spoiler right there. Uh, you know, just like any vampire, zombie film, if you're bitten, you're going to turn into a vampire. There is one antagonist on this aircraft. Um, I really don't want to spoil it for you guys, but he is just batshit nuts. And, uh, I mean, even to the other hijackers, uh, this guy's scary. Uh, and he does some things in the movie that will, like, like, what the... What is wrong with this guy? Anyway, Movie Nation says the surprises have a grim delight about them. The violence, a righteous maternal fury. Now, why Blood Red Sky will be a major sleeper hit? Blood Red Sky has been hailed by critics for its fun, suspense, surprise twists, and enduring emotional depth. The talented cast of actors elevate the film, and most critics agree that it provides an intriguing spin on vampire mythology and effectively blends the action and supernatural horror genres. Because it was released on Netflix, buzz about Blood Red Sky has been minimal. Nah, I don't see how Netflix has anything to do with that. They're like the number one streaming service. And it is likely to be discovered more slowly than major theatrical releases. Yeah, if the year was 2019, the film will probably gain popularity with age as critical reviews assert its proudness within the genres of action and horror. Blood Red Sky has also been compared to horror staples like the Korean zombie film Train to Busan. I could see a little bit of that, which is an extremely popular uh, with fans of the genre. Although Blood Red Sky reviews have been generally positive, there are some negative opinions to be considered. Some have found fault with the film's messy plot and cliched premise, while others argue that it falls prey to the conventions of both its genres Speaking of action and horror, regardless of these perceived flaws, it's general consensus among critics that Blood Red Sky is exactly what it promises to be, a bloody, airborne, supernatural thriller. Thus, as the film increasingly exposed to viewers who anticipate its premise, it will surely satisfy. 
It may take some time, but Blood Red Sky is bound to become a major hit within its market. So there you guys have it. If you haven't watched Blood Red Sky yet, I give it my full recommendation. If you're a vampire fan, definitely watch this film. Uh, a great mix, like they just stated in the article, of action, horror, gore, mother-son bond, mother bonding and love, uh, all the way to the final moment and how the movie ends, which I will not spoil for you. But definitely recommend you guys watching that. Just looking at the comments, I want to welcome everybody who has come in. Afifa, Colette uh, is joined us. Philip has joined us. Uh, let's see. M-Day Jim is with us. Uh, Lindsay from Canada is also with us. I want to say hello to Ka Khaleesi, who's with, uh, who's with us as well. And uh, if you guys... I've been monitoring our social media. We posted uh, about several hours ago. We are giving away two free tickets for the Stairs theatrical release, which is going to be uh, August 12th, which is my birthday, by the way. Thursday, August 12th at 7 p.m. We're giving away two tickets, and I want to thank Fathom Events, for providing uh, those tickets for us. So all you got to do is go to any one of our social media platforms. And we posted the uh, the uh, poster for the movie. Just leave a comment. And on Monday we're going to be picking a random winner. To receive uh, the two free tickets. And you get two free tickets. To take yourself and a loved one with you. To go watch the stairs, we had the director, Drago, Peter Drago Tiemann, as our guest a couple of weeks ago to talk about the stairs. If you missed it and you want to find out more about the movie, go back and watch that interview. It was great. And uh, if you want a movie night out, just leave a comment in any one of our social media platforms. And we're going to be picking a winner at random from all of our five social platforms and uh you get two free tickets to go watch the movie on thursday uh august 12th at 7 p.m so i think it's a great opportunity and all you got to do is just leave a comment uh let's see oh colette wants to know does it include anyone from the uk sorry uh it's only for us only uh people uh it's uh, i don't know if it's even being released to the uk at the same day of august 12th but yeah i should have uh, mentioned that i'm sorry uh this is only for people in the united states so i'm sorry about that colette uh colette's birthday is on the 6th happy birthday your birthday is almost here Yay, we get to turn another year older. Lucky, lucky us. So, uh, let's do some trivia. I've been itching. I love trivia. So, I don't know. Do you guys want to... I've been picking the categories. Do you guys want to pick the categories today? And let me review the categories, okay? This is a, the ultimate horror trivia, trivial pursuit edition. The categories are paranormal, monster gore disturbing 
psychological, comedy, or slasher. So if you guys want to pick one, type it in and I'll give you the category of your choice. If not, I will just go ahead and pick one. All right, well, Efren wants slasher. Okay, so let's do slasher and then paranormal and then monster. Okay, those are the top three that came through. So let's do slasher. All right, the first slasher question. All right, the original Michael Myers mask from the 1978 Halloween was created using an actual Halloween mask of what actor? And this is super easy. Any horror fan knows the answer to this one. The original Halloween mask worn in 1978 was basically a mask of what actor? There you go, Efren William Shatner. That was not challenging at all. So, uh, the next request was Paranormal. So let's do paranormal, which I have stated up to now, these paranormal questions are way too easy. I don't know if it's because I'm a huge paranormal fan and for me they're easy, but I think these are ridiculously easy compared to some of the other categories on here. So here's your paranormal question. In Paranormal Activity 2, which came out in 2010, what is the relationship between Katie and Christy? I mean, come on. What's the relationship between Katie and Christy in the Paranormal Activity universe? Come on. Who's the first one to type it in? Mother, daughter, sisters, Khaleesi, Colette. Yes, they're sisters. Sisters, sisters, sisters. Now, I saw somebody ask for a monster question. All right. Monsters, monsters. In Alien, 1979, Sigourney Weaver, what character is revealed to be an android? Ripley, Dallas, Ash, or Kane? Which one of those four is an android? Character name. Ripley, Dallas, Ash, or Kane? Lindsay writes Bishop, who is not one of the choices. Zoe writes Ash. Colette writes Cain. Efren says Ash. And the answer is Ash. That is the android that goes berserk. And if you remember in the sequel, Aliens... Uh, the android on board is played by Lance Henriksen, and uh, he is a good android. Uh, of course, when Sigourney Weaver's character realizes that he's an android, she flashes back to her first experience with the other android, but in the end, they become besties. So, all right, you know what? Let's do one more before we go on to the next thing. Let's do gore and disturbing. Now, I would probably say that the gore and disturbing ca uh, category is probably the most difficult because it just covers such a wide array of films. So here we go. The movies uh, Shivers from 1975 and The Brood from 1979 
were influences on James Gunn when making what 2006 movie? You see, these are hard. Let me reread that. The movies Shivers from 75 and The Brood from 79 were influences on James Gunn when making what 2006 film again? Sorry, what 2006 uh, movie? I did not know this. Oh, man, Efren, got it. You know, I did not know this. Slither, the answer is Slither, 2006. Colette guessed Hills Have Eyes, good guess, but nope, it is Slither. All right, we'll get back to these questions. Let's go on to our next article. So, The Walking Dead's Norman Reedus teases mind-blowing twist in final season. Now, this is no surprise. You know, before every new season, a cast member, crew member, always says there's going to be a big twist and surprise. But let's see what Norman has to say. Norman Reedus has spilled the beans on an upcoming huge twist in the expanded new season of The Walking Dead. Ahead of the debut of the apocalyptic series, final supersized chapter this August, Reedus prepared fans for a quote-unquote mind-blowing direction the show is about to take. Now, we have mentioned some time ago, we have read that at some point, whether it's in the A, B, or C parts of season 11, uh, that something is going to happen that's going to take several characters to go out looking for Rick. So, I don't know if that's what he's referring to, but and I don't even know if that's still relevant and if that's even going to happen. But that's what we read last year. He goes on to say, it's kind of mind-blowing where we are going Reed is shared in an interview with Comic Book. We did the first 10 episodes kind of in one direction, and that involved Maggie's story mostly, and us trying to deal with what's going on with that as a group. And then all of a sudden, we did a 180, and now it's kind of like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory all of a sudden, he continued. Reedus, who plays Daryl on the AMC show, added that his new 24-episode season will be completely different. We're all doing The Exorcist right now. All of our heads are spinning in a circle. Yeah, we're Linda Blair right now, the actor said. I mean, things go from black and white western to Technicolor Willy Wonka film like that, and it's crazy. Reedus also revealed the fate of his character and how he interacts with Maggie Ree, played, of course, by Lauren Cohen, who returned to The Walking Dead in Season 10 after appearing in a limited capacity in Season 9. She just appeared in the first five episodes. Rick Grimes' last episode, which was Season 9, Episode 5, was the last time we saw Maggie until her return in the uh in episode 16 of season 10 now daryl is protecting the kids a lot to be honest and he's protecting maggie a lot uh 
Maggie's going through a big thing at the beginning of the season. He kind of takes it upon himself to keep an eye on her and be a part of that journey. The actor also teased that Daryl's journey turns into a larger fight, which turns into something completely different. But I think he's taking care of people and he's protecting people, but he's also with everybody else kind of protecting their home. So there you guys have it. A mind-blowing twist. The biggest reveal in that article is that the first 10 episodes are going to be centered mostly around Maggie. And of course, when Maggie came back, she brought this new group that we now know as the Reapers. And we've all seen the trailer that they've released at Comic-Con for this upcoming season 11. Uh, these guys wear masks, just like the Whisperers. Not, you know, masks of the dead, but ghost masks. And they're called the Reapers, and, you know, just like the countless other groups that we have seen in this universe, they're not very nice. So, we have that coming up. Uh, Marco has joined us, who is in Greece right now. Welcome, brother. Uh, DJ, DG is also with us. So let's do some more trivia. Let's do some more questions. Let's go to psychological. All right, psychological. Which character in Pet Cemetery, the original 1989, is not resurrected? Gage, Rachel, Judd, or Bill? I know this one. Who is not? Buried in the pet cemetery and resurrected. Gage, which is the young boy. Rachel, the wife. Judd or Bill. Okay, Colette says Bill. Uh, Zoe says Gage. Khaleesi says Judd. A lot of Bills. A lot of Bills. And the answer is... Uh, Judd. Judd is the one who is not resurrected. Uh, sorry, it was not Bill. It was Judd, who is, if you guys did not know, played Herman Munster. He did, right? I'm not screwing that up. The actor who played, uh, Judd was also the actor who played Herman Munster in the Munsters. All right. Let's do comedy. Let's do horror comedy. Since we had a horror comedy guest on last night from the movie Slacks. What actor that played one of the victims in Maniac from 1980 was also the special effects artist on 1978's Dawn of the Dead? And I think I know exactly who it is. What actor that played one of the victims in Maniac from 1980 was also the special effect artist in Dawn of the Dead? All right. Yep. Yep. It's Tom Savini, Tommy, Colette Passes. And so let's go ahead and see. Yes, it is our prior guest, Tom the Legendary. Tom Savini. 
And Tom Savini is a horror legend, no doubt about it. So let's do, let's see. Let's go with, uh, you know, let's go back to Slasher. Okay. What Pirates of the Caribbean actor appeared in A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, the original? What Pirates of the Caribbean actor appeared in the original Nightmare on Elm Street? Come on, I know this one. Come on. Who appeared in Pirates of the Caribbean that was also in Nightmare on Elm Street? DJ is right. The character name is Jack Sparrow. It's Johnny Depp. I haven't even looked, so I hope I didn't screw that up. No, we're right. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. A lot of people don't have forgotten that Johnny Depp was in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. A very young, young Johnny Depp. I think he might have did that before he did 21 Jump Street. I know 21 Jump Street, the TV show, which probably a lot of you have not heard of. Uh, well, you heard of it because they made the movies recently. Not that recently, but uh, several years ago. But uh, I don't know if he did Nightmare on Elm Street before he did 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street is what propelled Johnny Depp's career. So I don't know which one came first. I want to say Nightmare on Elm Street came first. All right, let's go back to, uh, you know, let's do psychological again. And then we'll go on to our next article. Okay, what is the color of the lanterns lit at the house of The Invitation, the movie The Invitation? Okay, what is the color of the the lanterns lit at the house of The Invitation members in the movie The Invitation 2015. Come on, anybody know what, at the end of the movie, for those of you who have watched it, uh, we see a whole bunch of lanterns light up, uh, letting us know that the events that transpired in that house were happening in the whole neighborhood, in the whole community. That's the big plot twist in that movie. So we, Colette says blue, Efren says red, Zoe says red. I believe the answer is red. Yes, red. And that's pretty much where the movie ends. One of the final scenes going out in the backyard. They turn on the red lantern and then you start seeing everybody's house in that neighborhood um, in the uh, hills of Los Angeles, basically partaking in the same nasty event that they all did that night all right let's do one more all right let's do one more and then we'll get to our next article let's go back to the paranormal all right nice short question what actress portrayed thomason in the witch what actress portrayed thomason in the witch from 2015 what's the name of the actress I don't think you guys are going to get this. The Witch is a great movie from 2015. What was the name of the actress who portrayed Thomason? Anybody? Ooh, everybody's gone silent. Silent. Nobody knows. The answer is Anya Taylor-Joy. That's the name of the actress. All right, let's go on to our next article. So, I brought this up. 
because you have heard me talk about this many, many times. Is Jaws a horror movie? And in my opinion, no, it is not. And I was just ecstatic that somebody actually wrote an article about this. Now, this is a matter of opinion. And when the movie came out, it scared a lot of people to go into the water. I think it's a great drama, action, science fiction movie. But I just would not place it into the horror genre. So, Steven Spielberg's classic Jaws is without a doubt the best shark movie ever made, but there's decades-old debate on whether or not it's horror. Good. It's not just me. Now, the classic Jaws is without a doubt... Okay, I hate how they repeat that. Jaws is, of course, the movie that basically created the idea of the summer blockbuster which Hollywood has been using as one of its driving concepts for over 40 years at this point. Whether that's a good thing, it's a matter of personal opinion. But it certainly marked a change when it came to studio planning. Beyond its success, Jaws is perhaps most notable now for holding up magnificently. Lots of older movies can be hard to watch for younger audiences due to changes in paces and plot conventions, but Jaws remains as exceptional today as ever. And you could put quite a few movies on that list. The three main characters are excellently portrayed, and Spielberg shows why he went on to become one of the greatest directors of all time even if his work gravitates towards popcorn fare. Jaws also spawned multiple bad sequel movies. I personally liked Jaws 3D. I really liked, I liked the second one. I don't know, a lot of people did like Jaws 3D. I liked it. Uh, But thankfully, they've proved unable to tarnish the original Jaws greatness. Uh, It's not really up for debate. But its status as a horror movie sure seems to be. Oddly, it's an issue that both sides are quite passionate and steadfast about, with those who classify Jaws as a horror quite insistent it's part of the genre, and those who say Jaws isn't horror offering up lots of reasons as to why that isn't the case. It's a complex issue and worth discussing. We're not going to read this whole article because by the end of it, we're going to hear the argument of one side and we're going to hear the argument of another side. At the end of the day, it's up to your opinion. I mean, if you see it as a horror movie, that's great. If you don't, you don't. The bottom line is that it's a great movie. Whether you want to place it under the horror genre or not, does not take anything away from the quality of this film. It is a timeless classic. It will always be a timeless classic. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't met one person who's not a fan of Jaws. So, there you guys have it. All right, let's do some more questions. More questions. Uh, Monsters. Monsters. All right. In Let Me In from 2010... Owen and Abby communicate through the wall 
using what method? In Let Me In from 2010, Owen and Abby communicate through the wall using what method? Morse code. Efren got that. Quickly, he got that. All right. Now, next one, let's do, uh, let's go back to Gore. All right. Nice, easy, not, not, not easy, short question. Who directed uh, Eraserhead from 1977? Who directed Eraserhead, 1977? Damn, Efren. You got it right. David Lynch. That was his film debut. David Lynch. All right. Let's do one more before we get to our next one. And let's, uh, let's go back to psychological. All right. What Get Shorty from 1995 and Men in Black from 97 director served as the cinematographer from Misery, 1990. So what gets Shorty and Men in Black director served as the cinematographer for the movie Misery? Man, let's see. F. Gary Gray. Efren says Barry Sonnenfeld. How would you have that, like, memorized? But the answer is... Ooh. All right. Efren is correct. Barry Sonnenfield. I think we may have to, uh, you know, put Efren on a timeout and give some of the other people a chance. All right, Efren, for this next question... Efren says he's a film historian. Efren, just for this next question, you're not answering. We're going to give everybody else a chance. All right? I want to welcome all the people who have joined us. Mimi says, it's uh, in regards to Jaws, it scared me, LOL, but not as a horror movie. That's a great point. I totally agree with you, Mimi. All right, so for this next one, which Efren's answer, he's going to be barred from answering. Just for this next question, to give everybody a chance, let's go to gore and disturbing. All right, here we go. The director of Freaks from 1932 also directed what 1931 Universal monster film? So, I don't expect any... I don't know the answer to this. So, just take a guess. 1930s Universal Monster Film. Okay? The director of Freaks directed what 1931 Universal Monster Film? Khaleesi says, Dracula. Come on, guys. Give me some 1930 monsters. Reference <laughs> says, too easy, but he's barred from answering. Zoe says Frankenstein. Any other guesses? Nosferatu, Wolfman. Let's see who's correct. Let's see who is correct. And the answer is Dracula. Congratulations, Khaleesi. Khaleesi guessed it. It is Dracula. All right, let's move on. 
to our next thing here. And of course, this thing is covered in ads to the point where you can't even read it. I mean, what the, you know, okay, you know, let's see if we can close these out. You can't close this one out. And this sucks because this is, the, the headline here is only diehard fans can name these iconic horror movies, which sort of fits into our whole trivia thing. Let me see if I refresh it, what happens? All right. Let's see how long we have before the ads come back up. So, all right, this is an online quiz. Now, they say this is an easy one. What, if you guys can see the picture, what psychological horror pick is this from? Come on, Amityville Horror, Tale of Two Sisters, The Omen, or The Shining? Anyone? Sorry for the Instagram people. Write Instagram a letter and allow them to allow well, landscape mode on their live streams so you guys are able to see the whole screen. The Shining, you guys are correct. Okay, what 1978 slasher movie is this from? Driver Killer, Black Christmas, Halloween, or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Halloween, another easy one. What found footage horror film is this from? Oh, these are easy. Cannibal Holocaust, Blair Witch Project, Creeper, VHS. Everybody got this one. The uh, oh, That was for the previous one, Halloween. How about this one? Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Yes, yes, Blair Witch. All right. What 1990 horror classic is this from? Ooh, is it it, Christine, Sleepwalkers, or the Dead Zone? Dead Zone, no. Uh, Christine, no. It's either it or Sleepwalkers. No, the Goonies is not an option. It's either it or Sleepwalkers. It. It. Yes. All right. We're batting a thousand so far. What 1984 supernatural slasher... Is this from? Look at the pick. Is it Candyman, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, or Wrong Turn? Nightmare on Elm Street. That's Freddy Krueger right there in the shadows. What famous slasher movie is this from? With a big sign that says, Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake. I know what you did last summer, Halloween, Friday the 13th, or Prom Night. It is, come on, welcome to Camp Crystal Lake. It is Friday the 13th. All right, we just talked about this one. What 1975, and they call it a thriller, is this from? Open Water, The Shallows, The Meg, or Jaws? Jaws. What 1982 sci-fi horror film is this from? The Fly, The Thing, The Fog, or They Live. These are way too easy. That's right, The Thing. What thriller from... Not, come on, guys. I mean, make this a little bit challenging. What thriller from 1960 is this from? Them, Psycho, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
Psycho, Psycho, Psycho. What 2002 horror film is this from? Dog Soldiers, The Descent, 28 Days Later, or Shaun of the Dead? This is easy. 28 Days Later, yep. What 1979 sci-fi horror classic is this from? The Andromeda Strain, 2001, Space Odyssey, Alien, or Dark Star? Come on. What 1979 sci-fi horror classic? Zoe, you're correct. Lindsay, you are correct. It's Alien. Oh, my God. What 1996 slasher is this from? Urban Legend, The Faculty, The Craft, or Scream? It's Scream. Good job, Zoe. What famous 1992 horror film is this from? Bram Stoker, Stoker's Dracula. I called him Bram Stoker. Uh, is it Dracula, Nightbreed, Jacob's Ladder, Warlock, The Armageddon? And you got, come on. That's Gary Oldman right there, and it is Dracula. All right, what 1982 paranormal horror movie is this, this picture from? Fright Night, The Exorcist, Prince of Darkness, or Poltergeist? This is a little tricky because of the, uh, the screenshot that decided to use it, to use for this question. I mean, I know the answer. Do you guys know what 1982 paranormal horror movie this is from? All right, Khaleesi, Poltergeist, you are correct. What 1981 supernatural horror flick is this from? Supernatural horror flick, okay. Is it The Omen, The Evil Dead, Pet Cemetery, or Carrie? Come on. Anybody? I mean, Efren got it right. Anybody else know? It's The Evil Dead. All right. How many of these are there? I think there's no way we're going to get one that we're going to miss. What 2003 horror film is this from? Wolf Creek, Saw, Hills Have Eyes, or The Devil's Rejects? 2003 horror film. Zoe, Saw, Lisa, Saw. Good job, guys. That's the Saw doll. Okay, the final. Okay, here are the final few that are hard. We'll see about that. What 2012 horror comedy is this from? This is the end, Cabin in the Woods, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, or Cooties. I do not recognize this. What 2012 horror comedy is this from? The options are This is the End, Cabin in the Woods, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, or Cooties. No, Evil Dead is not an option. We got one, no, okay, we got one that says Tucker. Efren says Cooties. Saw is not an option. You know, let's go with, uh, I don't know. We're batting a thousand so far. I don't want to screw this up. I mean, it could be, oh, you know. All right, Efren, you've been really good at this. We're going to go with what you said. But if you're wrong, this is on you. 
Efren says cooties. No, you were wrong. Great, Efren screwed up our perfect record. Ah, what 1981 horror is this from? The Howling, The Monster Squad, An American Werewolf in London, or Return of the Living Dead? It's not Return of the Living Dead. I... Anybody out there? Efren says American Werewolf in London. The options again are The Howling, The Monster Squad, Werewolf in London, or Return of the Living Dead. All right, you guys seem to all be in agreement. Jason says it as well. American Werewolf in London. Yes, you guys are correct. Uh, I know this one. What 1990 creature feature is this from? Mimic, Arachnophobia, Tremors, or Lake Placid? So what's this shot from? And that is Kevin Bacon right there. Is it Mimic, Arachnophobia, Tremors, or Lake Placid? Efren says Tremors. Want to welcome TJ who's joining us. Jonathan, welcome guys. Uh, Tremors. You guys are correct. All right. Oh, I know this one too. Uh, this movie here uh, is a Frank Darabont film. And a lot of the actors that were in this movie, Frank brought over into The Walking Dead. So what 2007 horror flick is this from? The Fog, The Mist, The Ritual, or The Happening? Lisa says the mist, Efren says the mist, Lindsay Sparks says the fog, it's not the fog. The answer is the mist. There we go. All right. Because of Efren, we only got 19 out of 20 correct. Yes, because of Efren, who has been getting all these whacked out questions correct on Trivial Pursuit. He's the one we did not get a perfect score of 20 out of 20. So blame him. All right, let's do a Trivial Pursuit uh, trivia question now. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's go back to comedy. What pop star does Chucky run off the road in the seed of Chucky 2004? What pop what pop star does Chucky run off the road in the movie Seed of Chucky from 2004? Any guesses? Pop star Seed of uh, Chucky from 2004? Come on. Anybody? No guesses? No pop star guesses? Come on. 2004. A real live pop star. Efren says Britney. Any other guesses? No, he's right. It's Britney Spears. That is the pop star that Chucky runs off the road. Let's do one more. Let's go back to gore and disturbing. How many members does the criminal gang have on the last house on the left? The original, 1972. Wes Craven, how many members does the criminal gang have 
in the movie The Last House on the Left from 1972. Khaleesi says five. Zoe says four. Uh, Colette and Lisa also say four. Uh, I don't. I think it's four. I think you guys are right. I think it's four. And the answer is four. Krug, Stilo, Junior Stilo, Sadie, Fred, Weasel, Podowski. Okay. Holy sh... We're 52 minutes in already. Huh, let's do a little bit of our topic today. I don't want to leave that to go to waste, okay? We're highlighting uh, Toby Hooper's, some of his greatest uh, directing works. And, you know, for me, when I, when I think of Hooper, the first movie that comes to mind is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, arguably his greatest film, uh, the kick-started a whole franchise that is still active today, uh, and to call it a huge part of his career would be an understatement. The film was developed with his uh, uh, co-writer Kim Henkel, but for Hooper uh, started as early as his time at the University of Texas. That's why it explained why it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was in part a response to the government's misinformation about the Watergate scandal, inspiring the opening narration of, quote, the film you're about to see is true. The movie was filmed in a manner aiming for a PG rating from the Motion Picture Association due to the film used a minimal amount of gore, but still obtained an R rating due to its violent imagery. And when it comes to ratings, and this is more true today than it was back then, but to get an R rating, you cannot have any bad words or gore, bloods, bl gore, blood, guts, or anything like that. But if the overall theme and story is disturbing the movie is going to get an r rating you know the way they rate these movies has completely changed changed so let's see what else has uh he's done hooper was uh, eaten alive by critics in his next film another horror movie set in texas called eaten alive was once again written by kem henkel this time without Hooper's aid, the film had its origins connected to the story of real-life serial killer Joel Bale. Uh, the film was contentious between Hooper and the producers, leading to Hooper to exit the film towards the end of production. Hooper's film was poorly received by critics after numerous cuts were made to obtain a releasable rating. His biggest budget project until then became a television miniseries. More often than not, uh, in Hollywood, it's films that operate on a large budget. But this wasn't the case when Hooper took the reins in directing the TV adaptation of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. And that was awesome. Uh, the project was originally developed by another horror legend, George Romero, but time and screening of Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
led him to getting the job after Romero backed out. The final product was well received and beloved by critics and fans leading to numerous award nominations. So other movies that he's done, uh, you know, The, the Fun House, uh, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre has to be what put him on the map. Uh, he's a classic director uh, up along there with, you know, Wes Craven and all, and John Carpenter, Toby Hooper. I mean, he was just an awesome director. What more can you say? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre has earned its spot as one of the biggest horror classics. And like I said, the franchise is still very much relevant, viable, and alive today. Anyway, guys, we are out of time for today. Uh, literally, I say this a lot, but this hour just flew by. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow with our special guest. Patrick Lucier is going to be joining us. That should be an awesome conversation. Uh, if you want to find out a lot of stuff that happens with special effects, movies, directing behind the scenes stuff, please tune in to our interview tomorrow. Until then, I want everybody to stay safe and I'll see you again tomorrow and always stay walking. Good night.